Hey, good morning, everyone. I am um, unexpectedly here preaching um, from a bedroom, um, and I super wish I could be with you this morning. Um, and I just feel like our unexpected Christmas theme continues uh, even into the new year. So this morning, I'm going to um, preach on the Ten Commandments. And I have kind of run this by a few people and in my expressions that I get when I say I'm teaching on the Ten Commandments is, oh, or oh, and I, <laughs> I feel the same way sometimes. In fact, the last time I think I heard a sermon about the Ten Commandments was probably when I was a middle schooler. I want to say maybe early adolescence, I would be stretching to say high school, uh, when I feel like they were telling me the Ten Commandments in order um, to make sure I was doing the right thing, um, you know, not doing drugs, not smoking, and all those other things. So my take on the Ten Commandments is not to be shameful, not to put pressure, not to um, condemn, um, but to really show how I have been moved in the Ten Commandments of seeing that God provided these laws for our freedom. That's the whole goal this morning, to see the Ten Commandments in a new way, to rework some of the, the framework or the um, ideal ology or theology in the way we've seen the Ten Commandments or heard the Ten Commandments preached, but preaching them in a new way for the health of our community. And that's one of my bottom line uh, bottom lines is the ten were created for a healthy community. I believe God did that. I believe he created these commandments to have a healthy community. We see the Ten Commandments in full in Exodus 20 and again in Deuteronomy 5. And in Exodus, um, what has happened is the people from... Um, from captivity have been freed. So they have just undergone um, Pharaoh and the, all of the plagues. They've crossed the Red Sea. Um, their enemies are now defeated and they're in the wilderness. And God is, um, God is coming to them through Moses. Moses is on the mountain, right? Well, after a few times of him going up and down. Anyways, he's at the top of the mountain and God appears. And he is um, giving them these Ten Commandments to help them form a new identity in the wilderness. They weren't given in a negative fashion on that mountain. Um, you know, we associate that with the Ten Commandments. Instead, the laws were given to people who had been living in generations under bondage and slavery. They didn't know what to do. They were under this um, Egyptian way of living, the Egyptian law. They had no other frame of reference of how do we live? How do we live in this healthy community? So God gave his people new boundaries, new instructions that protected them and sustained them into freedom. Another way to say is God wanted to ensure that there was a new healthy society that would develop in this wilderness for the years to come, in this land of Canaan. 
they would encounter new cultures, new worldviews, new societies. It was essential that they created their own new identity. Another way to say it is the Israelites were set free and God wanted them to stay free. God saved the people, brought salvation, and now he's showing us how to stay free and live out of bondage. I was talking to somebody else about these Ten Commandments, and they're like, oh, well, I live by the New Covenant, and I wanted to say, I do too. Guess what? We do too. We live by the New Covenant, and the um, Ten Commandments were never abolished. They were never um done away with. In fact, Jesus came and called them higher. The new covenant is more strenuous, in my opinion. We also see that the Ten Commandments, they hold a special place among the 613 laws that God gave. They were the only commandments that God spoke directly to the people from the mountain. All the other laws were given from God to Moses and Moses then to the people. So God directly spoke these 10 to the people. And when God directly speaks, I do believe they mean something more significant. God wrote them on two stone tablets for us. They were given the title, the 10 words. They were placed in the Ark of the Covenant with a second call, uh, title called The Testimony, which I find very fascinating that God has a testimony, right? They were also repeated in Deuteronomy generation later before they were crossing into the Jordan. It's like God was saying, no, I want you to remember before you go into this promised land, who you are, who I've created you to be, what I am creating you to sustain you, to continue to go forward. See, the 10 are not in, uh, abolished, but they're reinforced. And I want to take just a few minutes to talk about this, um, of how we can see the 10 commandments through Jesus and all through the New Testament. So I'm not going to do justice to this. I'm just going to rapid fire through some of these just to bring them to our attention. So in Matthew 19 and in Luke 18, Jesus referred to the Ten Commandments and uh, reinforced them and um, called them into conversation with the rich young ruler. Again, in Matthew 5, um, 17 through 37, Jesus used and intensified the Ten in his Sermon on the Mount and he said, don't you think that I didn't come to, to abolish the law? No, I came to fulfill the law, right? In John 14, 21, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. Those who love me will be loved my father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Again, in 1 John, for the love of God is this, that we obey the commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. In Romans 13, 7 through 10, it says, Let no doubt remain outstanding except the continuing depth and love for one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever the other command may be, are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to your neighbor. 
Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. In Galatians, which is super interesting because Galatians is known as the anti-law letter, but even in Galatians 5, the Ten Commandments are quoted. Again, in 2 Peter and in James 4. This one I find most interesting in Mark 10. Somebody asks God or Jesus, how should I live? And Jesus says, well, start with the ten. Do you know your basic identity? Do you know my identity? This is the starting point Jesus is saying. Do you know who you are in relation to me? You can find the ten in the law, the prophets, the gospels, the letters, the theological letters, the epistles to the church, the psalms. They're everywhere. The law is not outdated. In fact, it's what sustains us. It's how we know who we are. It's how we know who God is. It's how we know we, who we are in relation to God. I really feel like this is an, an important message because we are really living in a time of lawlessness. But as God's people, as people who follow Christ, we are not out of the law. We still have the law to look at, to live by, to sustain ourselves for our identity. And I want to talk about the 10 because I want to go back to the basis. <laughs> so I've been spending just a little bit of time setting this up, showing us how, why it's important. But I want to do a caveat where I don't want to be legalistic and I don't want us to be legalistic. I don't want us to do what the Pharisees did, where they made it absolutely impossible. They became an elitist group where no one could sustain. We don't hold the law in judgment of others. We want to follow the law into God's freedom. We want to be free people. God set us free. So let's remain free. I'm going to go through the 10, and here's my end goal. I want to show you how the 10 commandments gives us the clearest instructions for new life of freedom. Freedom of bondage to others, bondage to sin, and freedom in bondage of cultures of death. The 10 were created for a healthy community, God's healthy community. I mean, here's where I'm standing I want to live in a community where it's healthy. Who doesn't want to live in a community where people don't steal? Who doesn't want to live in a community where a husband and wife aren't faithful to one another? Who doesn't want to live in a community where parents and elderly are honored? Who doesn't want to live in a community where people aren't lying behind your back, bearing false witness? Who doesn't want to live in a community like this? The 10 were created for our freedom. The 10 we're created for our freedom. I'm convinced neighborhoods where these commandments are kept are really good places to live. The commandments are, were preached at me as a child. Um, and I felt a little scared or intimidated into them or that I couldn't live up to them or shameful. I remember thinking as a kid, well, 
I haven't taken the Lord's name in vain, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to murder. So at least I have two of them. Two of them, pretty good for me. It was in the seminary class this last term for my professor, um, James Bruckner at North Park Seminary, where I saw the law and it came alive to me. He says this, we need to alter our thinking about the 10 as prohibitions and see them as a gift in a way that we may relate to one another. I want to live in a community like this. And more importantly, I want our kids to live in a community like this. I want our next generation to live in the freedom. I, I keep asking myself this question of, have we forgotten? I've been pacing and fretting and praying and been in conversation over and over and over. How are we going to teach this next generation who God is? In a world that doesn't even honor God. How do we ensure that our kids know who God is? How he is an anchor in our storm. How he's our refuge. How he's our source of hope. He's our deliverer. He is the voice that we should be listening to. He is our hope. And it came to me. Nicole, go back to the basics. Do you know who I am? Do you know my identity? And if you do, then you know who you are in relation to me. The ten were created to control us, to hinder us, to keep us from something, but to save us, to keep us free. So with all this in mind, I'm going to go through the ten. And I'm not going to do justice to them. Each one could be a sermon in themselves. But I um, am going to show what the intent and freedom for each one would be and um, give me some grace <laughs> as I wish I could elaborate more how they are, um, each one in himself is as beautiful. Um, but I'm going to talk about them in the three areas. So how they were created for freedom from bondage to sin, to cultures of death, and um, we're going to do as best as we can together. Here we go. So the first commandment, you will have no other gods besides me. This commandment protects against bondage to abusive people and relationships. So we are set free from others saying that they can be Lord over us. No one can be Lord over us except the Lord God Almighty who is good. The people were free from Pharaoh's abusive system and no one has the right to create an abusive system or be abusive to you. See, we have an inclination, and even the Israelites did, to return to systems of power and abuse, which leads us into a place where we come under someone who wants to be God over somebody. We were created for freedom. This protects against bondage and abusive people in relationships. The second commandment, you will not make yourself an idol. It protects against bondage to man-made things. You are set free from bondage, from bowing down to man-made images of power, of violence, of wealth, and fame. This is all over the media. And we're all fascinated with the powerful, the wealthy, and the successful. It's our natural tendencies. 
But when we become obsessed with this, when we run after it, we become it. It's the most common form of this commandment. We shall, we shouldn't make our own bodies of a God. They're all false. We will not find freedom here. The third commandment, you will not misuse the name of the Lord your God. It protects against bondage and mistrust of the living in a community of curses and false oaths. We are set free from a community of curses and false oaths. Amen. Attitudes of the heart that come out of speech patterns, flippancy, disrespect, disregard for human life and relationships, changing narratives, or making stories untrue, these are all lead to death, and we are freed from that. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It protects against bondage to tasks, masters. We are set free from slave work. We get a day of rest. This is given by God. Sabbath rest is an act of justice to reflect on God. There's much to be said about this one. Could do a whole sermon series there. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. This protects elderly parents. You are set free from a a community that neglects its elder parents. I think we often use this for our children, (laughs) right? You shall honor your mother and father, but what we forget is this word wasn't spoken to children. It was God teaching the adults. This is about elderly care. Children learn to care for their parents from their parents. We want a community where there is generational wisdom. We need to take care of our parents. We need their wisdom. We need each other. The sixth command, you will not murder. It protects against the bondage to violence. We are set free with systems of disregard from human life and legalized murder. No one wants to live in a community where murder is legalized. Seventh command, you will not commit adultery. It protects against bondage to the false ideas that uncommitted sexual relationships will bring you satisfaction and freedom. We are set free from a culture that accepts adultery and its collateral damage. We find this in many, many, many texts. In the Bible, adultery is not a private matter, as we may experience in our culture today. Or even when we think it is a private matter, it disrupts the entire community. Uncommitted sexual relationships will not bring freedom, but it'll only put you in to bondage, even if it's just your own sexual bondage. This is a really complex issue that deserves much more time and consideration, and I want to mention that adultery sin was one of the most severely punished sins for God's community. In Genesis 39, it's considered a high-handed sin against God. In fact, we see that Joseph was celebrated for not going to bed with the prophet's wife, but instead He goes to jail for several years. There's much more we could say here. In the eighth command, you will not steal. It protects against bondage to a culture that steals from the poor to sustain itself and to create an incentive for the poor to sustain, to steal, to sustain their lives. A lot to be said here, but it is our God-given duty to care for the poor. In fact, the poor wouldn't have to steal if we could care for them. 
The ninth one, you will not bear false witness against your neighbor. It protects against bondage to a culture where lying is the way of life and false witnesses are easily bought. Howard Thurman was an African-American author and a theologian, a pastor, a civil rights leader. He spent his life working towards breaking down barriers of divisiveness. And he wanted neighborhoods of truth tellers. He preached that loving one another looked like this. You must abandon your fear of each other and fear only God. You must not indulge in any deception and dishonesty, even to save your lives. Your words must be a yea or a nay. Anything else is evil. Hatred is destructive. To hate and a hater alike, love your enemy, that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. The Tenth Commandment. You will not covet. This protects against bondage to a culture of coveting materialism and acquisitions. It's better to be in a community without stealing and coveting and materialism. Of being a false witness. Look, if we look at American society today, they're doing very poorly at this. But the question isn't how the American society is doing. The question is, how is the church doing? How are we doing? Not how society is doing. They are under the law. We can't expect them to be. The law was given to God's community. The question is, how are we doing with the ten? It's not our job to police society against the ten, but for us to follow them so that we may be a blessing to the world and for the world to be blessed. Contemporary society, they've really reversed the commandments. We're really upside down. Coveting is a priority. Just look at television online. You want to know what you don't have and you want whatever someone else does. Sexuality, I mean, it's almost looked as you're sick or not right if you're not exploring your sexuality. Extended family and elderly are generally ignored, not always, but in general, in God, God is irrelevant. See, in this land of lawlessness, we are a community that doesn't have to be. In fact, we shouldn't be. The ten, they're voluntary. The Israelites, it was a voluntary thing to follow the ten. God never twisted anyone's arm. To follow them. But as a follower of Christ, we ought to want to follow the law out of the love of God. Keeping the law is necessary for the sake of an ordered life, for the well being of all the members, but especially for the weaker members of society, especially for the children. We must show children, our children, the law. We have to rework these ideas we've created about the law and to live out the law in order for our community to remain free. We want our next generation to experience God's freedom in the world of chaos. I want them to know that they have a community where there's trust, 
there is safety, there is refuge. I want them to have a community where they can gather and get to know this God. I want them to experience the depth of his love, to work out their problems, to ask hard questions and to be taken care of, no matter where you're at in the levels of society. But at the same time, I would be dismissed to say that we could keep the law perfectly. It wouldn't be correct. We can't wholly keep the commandments, nor do we want to be legalistic. But what we do know is that we have the cross that we must run to daily for forgiveness and freedom, to keep trying to become more like Jesus in his Christ-likeness. The Ten Commandments are about loving God. The first five on the first tablet, they're about loving God. The second five on the second tablet, they're about loving others. These commandments are not for yonder days, but for today. I want to live in a community like this, and I want our kids to live in a community like this. I want our generations to live in freedom. Have we forgotten? God is asking, do you know who I am? Do you know my identity? And if you do, you know who you are in relationship to me. The ten weren't created to control us to hinder us, or to keep us from something. They were there to save us. The law sets us free. And I believe that in order for the next generation to see freedom, they're not going to see it in our society or our government. They're going to see it in our communities that lives by God's law. Seeing that we are faithfully living them out, faithfully loving God, faithfully loving others, then we'll be a blessing to the entire world. We will continue to stay free, a rescued people, free from bondage, free from sin, and free from cultures, cultures of death. Let's remind ourselves of our freedom and the privilege it is to live under the law and to have true freedom. As we go into communion, Dory's going to come up, and I just want to pray over us to be a healthy community for this next generation. God, thank you for the law. Thank you that we can sit under the law in order to know who we are in relation to you. God, I just pray that we would love the law. Lord, we would love you that our next generation coming to know would, would see themselves in this community, being a healthy community. Lord, we want that. So God, may we be people of the law. We love you in your name.